This is the first time I am doing two guest episodes back-to-back, but this episode really excites me, and I know you are going to love it. I am taking a deep dive into team collaboration and will be chatting about this topic with Sarah Marie from The Seller Teacher Company. She is no stranger to the podcast because I had her on the podcast last June, and she shared some incredible tips for creating a classroom community that absolutely loves reading. So if that sparks your interest, you can listen to episode 37 when you finish this episode today. Now, this particular episode is special because Sarah and I actually worked together on a team in real life twice. We are sharing our experiences from teaching together on a second grade team, then moving to a fourth grade team, as well as some of our own extra experiences that we want to offer to you. We have been friends since 2013, and for fun, if you want to see us together, you actually can. If you head to the show notes on my blog that is linked in this episode description, you'll be able to see a photo of us together, and I think it's going to brighten your day. If you are ready to hear our best tips on collaborating with your teacher team, we can't wait to dive into this combo inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Megan. Hi, Sarah. Okay, so you guys might hear two voices today, and that's because we are doing a very special podcast episode. Yes, we are about to enter into test prep season, and now is the time that you want to make sure that you are strengthening your team collaboration if you have not already. And I think that we can all find areas where we could just improve our relationships and we could really evaluate the part that we play when it comes to being on a team and being just a team member. So we have joined together to make this episode of support come to life for you all. Megan and I spent several years working together on the same team. And so we thought that this would be a fun podcast episode to record together. So it really is going to be a conversation about collaboration and things that we've learned from working on a team. So before we jump into sort of the nitty gritty and all the wonderful, I don't know, goodness and practical tips and suggestions we're going to share with you, we're going to do brief introductions. So that way you actually know who your hosts are today. So I am Sarah Marie. I am the host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. For those of you who are my regular listeners, welcome back. Always happy to have you. And I am the content creator behind the Stellar Teacher Company, I love supporting upper elementary teachers, especially in the areas of literacy. I live in Florida with my husband and two Great Danes. And Megan and I talked about sharing a fun fact before this episode, maybe not a fun fact, but what would we do if we weren't teachers? And if I was not a teacher or involved in education, I think I would have gone into personal training, which sometimes I'm sad that I didn't actually pursue that. But, you know, I guess I am happy that I am where I am and supporting teachers because I get a lot of joy and fulfillment out of that. So I am one of your hosts for today's episode. And I am your other host. My name is Megan Polk. And if you aren't listening on my podcast, I'm the host of the Literacy Dive podcast. And I am the content creator behind the Literacy Dive. 
I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I love all things literacy and helping support upper elementary teachers in reading and writing and just supporting teachers and students all over the world. Now, love the question. If I were not teaching, I would be a coffee blogger, basically combining two of my favorite things, coffee and traveling into one and traveling the world, taste testing coffee and blogging all about it. I was going to say, and writing, you love writing. So that sounds right up your alley. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'll just switch the blog over to coffee. Perfect. Okay. Well, I'm so excited that we get to do this joint podcast together. Like I said, Megan and I worked, we were very lucky. Well, I said, I, I think we were very lucky. We were. Life brought us together right when we both had moved to Houston. We both moved to Houston the same year and started teaching second grade at the same school in Houston. And we were part of a second grade team together. And then we both were moved up to fourth grade and were part of a fourth grade team together. And we both have worked on teams, obviously, before and after that. We've been forever friends since then. But I just, we, you know, especially our team in fourth grade, I have so many like positive memories from that team. And I think we both learned a lot just about effective team collaboration. I would say our experience in second grade was not as awesome as our experience in fourth grade. And so we definitely, I don't know, have just some tips and strategies on how you can, wherever your team is at, help your team to become, I don't know, more effective, more collaborative, just a well-oiled, well-functioning team. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, when we think about teams, we think about the beginning of the year, starting off strong. And I think it's just a reminder that you can start as soon as tomorrow by making the team that you want to be on come to life. And so if you are currently on a team that's maybe not functioning as well or as strong, or if you're wishing that your team had XYZ to it, hopefully you'll get some ideas today of things that you can be able to do to make it the team that you love being on that's working for the greater good, which is the students. Before we started recording this, you know, Megan shared something, you know, it's like, we don't get to choose our team. You know, it's like, we get to choose our friends. We don't get to choose our team. It's kind of like family. And so even if you are currently this year working on a team and it is, you know, it's, it's hard, it's difficult, it's overwhelming. It doesn't have to be that way. And I loved that reminder that she shared. Cause it's like, okay, there are things that we can do that will improve the communication and just the collaboration on the team. So those are some things that we're going to share. So I don't know, Megan, do you want to kind of jump in and share one of your first suggestions? Yes. So one of my very first suggestions with thinking about working on a team and just thinking about a lot of different people with a lot of different personalities and talents coming together is making sure that you're identifying those strengths and those weaknesses that each person has. I mean, it's as simple as sitting down and having a heart to heart, like, listen, like this is how I learn best. This is how I process. This is how I I function best this is what I don't do well with. And this is what I need to do if I'm in conflict with people. And I think that whenever you're able to just have conversations and identify those strengths and those areas where, okay, I'm not as strong in it. That's the beauty of a team is that everyone is going to have their unique strengths. And it's when put together, you're going to make this like really, really powerful team. And so with that, I think the first thing is thinking about what do you enjoy? What do you excel in? And making sure that you're honest about that to the people that you're on a team with. And then also sharing what you just dislike and what you struggle with. And there are things that I feel like are my strengths, which is just like, I love being last minute. I love just, you know, if anything comes in and it kind of like is a not on the schedule, I'm fine with it. But I know that I've been on teams with people who it would drive them insane to have any type of change in a schedule. But then on the same token, I know that some people are really, really good and organized with schedules and that's not me. 
And so I think when we can think about what our strengths are, that is going to be how you can make sure that you're on a really, really collective team thinking about everyone and what people can bring to the table. I think that is so important. And of course, I think back to like previous teams and I'm like, oh, if only we'd approached this differently. And I I don't remember when this happened, but I remember when we were at St. George Place at one point, our school took a school-wide personality test. Like that was a part of our back-to-school professional development. And it actually became really helpful because it kind of just like highlighted personalities on the teams and people would start to be able to be like, well, I'm an East or I'm a North or I'm a South, you know, I'm more emotional or, you know, I'm last minute or I'm, you know, logical, whatever it is, but it helped people, I think, to communicate on their team and recognize that like, okay, we all don't have the same personality or in some cases, okay, we are all last minute. Like none of us are planners, but we have to turn our lesson plans in by Friday. So whether this is natural to us or not, we still need to move forward. So I I think like being able to identify the personalities and letting people articulate that. And if you don't know them, I mean, look into like some sort of like personality test or strengths finder, because I think that can also really help give like a common language for the team to be able to like talk with each other about their personalities and what they bring to the team. No, I love that. And I know the common thing now that's going around is the Enneagram. And so I think that like, if you know your number, if you can just do that with your team, it's really helpful because for me, I'm a two wing three. And I'm a three wing two. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, my, my stronger thing is like just helping, helping, helping others sometimes to the extent or to the, the point where I am not achieving the things that I want to achieve. But when people know that about me, they'll say like, Hey, I really need help with this. No, I'm going to go to somebody different because I I know that you're going to say yes. And I know that like, you might have things to do. So when people can know that what your personality is, sometimes they can actually help you to be balanced and help to not overwhelm you and to help protect you. So that if other people are like, Oh, let's go to her. She always does everything. Then they can actually be rallying for you because they know that that's your personality but it's not always healthy. And so it's really great if you can be able to be on the same page with that. I love it. So if you have not already done so, take the Enneagram or some other personality test, figure out on your team what your personalities are. For sure. I think another thing that we were kind of like talking about, and this is so basic, but I also think it can have a big impact is being really specific with like, I know for me, so it's like my personality was because I'm an Enneagram three, like I don't like to waste time. I like to be very efficient. I like to get things done quickly. And so I have definitely been on teams where I feel like every single one of our meetings was a time suck and would take away my precious planning time. And I think a couple of things, one, like I needed to view like this was not my planning time, but this was like team planning time. So I think like making sure that you're viewing things not through like, how is this benefiting me myself? But like, what are we doing as a team to benefit the team and all of the students? But I think it's really important to have like set meeting times, but not only set meeting times, like set meeting outcomes, because there's no point in meeting on Mondays if you don't know what you're trying to get accomplished. So I think like making sure that it's like, okay, on Mondays, we are writing our lesson plans. Now, if your lesson plans happen to be written early, like you don't need to meet on Mondays, but like the goal is by the end of you know Monday, our lesson plans will be written or our copies will be made or whatever it is. So it's not just a matter of like, we're not just meeting for the sake of meeting, like we are meeting to accomplish this specific goal. And then I think too, like within that on a team, there are always these tasks and jobs that nobody likes to do. Like typing in the lesson plans, I feel like was a constant battle on our team. Like Mm -hmm. who's typing, who's submitting them, who's like turning in the names of, you know, students for like test prep intervention, whatever, some of these things. So I think like making sure that there's like a rotation schedule for some of these like team tasks that are like ongoing. But even like rotation schedules, I know for like where you hold your team meetings. And this is, I think, something that 
came up on one of our teams where we always met in the same person's classroom and we always, you know, typed our lesson plans in that classroom. We always had lunch in that classroom. We were in her classroom for every team meeting. And we had a couple kind of personality conflicts on our team. And I think had we like rotated the space, it would have created more of like a balance as far as everybody feeling like a valued and welcome member of the team. But I think like not only for that, I know that it's like, I would always try to make it a point to get into everybody's classrooms and see, you know, what do they have up on their rooms? Like, how are they teaching? And if you, you know, are always planning in the same person's room, like you're not going to see your teammates' classrooms as often. So I think like even something as simple as rotating the location for your team meeting can make it feel more like inclusive, more like a team, but that also gives everybody else an opportunity for them to see like classroom environments, like what's on the walls, like how are you using the materials? So I think just like thinking through some of those like logistics can make a huge difference on all things team. Yeah, I know exactly. I'm like shaking my head because I'm like, yes, no, I totally agree with that. And that really would have helped that year had we had shifted a little bit more. But I also think that like, because we were always in the same place, if something really, really bad were to happen, or if we, you know, got that email from the district where, you know, it just brought on all kinds of feelings of like negative. It happened in that space. And mm-hmm. so every time you go in there, it's almost like this big gloomy cloud that's, <laughs> you know, looming over you because there wasn't enough variety. And I think too, like you just mentioned, if we did shift, cause there were awesome things going on, we still are very different teachers and we can do our own practices in our classrooms. But if you rotate, you can actually get an idea or see or ask questions. And so I would highly recommend that happen if you are in the same boat of being able to plan with the team for any types of like lesson planning. Well, and I remember when we were on fourth grade, we were in a hallway and it unfortunately was set up in such a way where four classrooms were literally like the doors were right across from each other. And then poor Megan, her classroom was like at the end of the hallway. And so not that it was like that much longer, but it was a far enough walk to where it seemed like an inconvenience when you could just like go across the room. Now, I mean, Megan and I were like teacher besties. So I, I tried to come into your room at least all of the time, but I know like some of the other like teammates didn't make it into your room as frequently because your room proximity wise wasn't close. Yeah. We benefit when we see other people's classrooms. And so I know I've been in schools where it's like my teammates' classrooms weren't even in the same hallway. And so I think like just being intentional about scheduling team meetings or just even getting in to see what's going on in your other classrooms can be really big for collaboration. For sure. And with thinking about that, I mean, now that we're on the the whole idea of like where we are doing collaboration in classrooms and things like that, it kind of now comes to like dividing and conquering. And so again, that is kind of aligned with like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? But if you have a team, if you can figure out what we can do to divide and conquer, be on the same page so that our loads can be lightened, that is ultimately the goal. No one person should be doing everything by themselves times five. Meaning that if I'm on a team of five, we all, if we're all doing the same things for each of us, like we are not necessarily working smarter, we are working harder. And so with thinking about lighting the load, it's like, if you can really have conversations, you might have someone who loves lesson planning. You might have someone on your team who loves creating the monthly newsletter or the weekly newsletters. You might have someone who loves going to the copy room and printing and cutting and laminating and prepping. So if you can identify what people truly love and what brings them joy, then that is one great way where you can divide and conquer the load. And that is going to allow someone to be alleviated of something that they necessarily like are not finding joy with, or it's just one more task that they can be able to check off their list. 
And so I think definitely with thinking about what can we do, even within the lesson plan, we've always been, well, I've always been at schools where we called it Mm self-contained in Texas, but you teach all the subjects. Uh, It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot to plan. And so it's like, if you know that you have someone that loves math and you have someone that loves writing and you have someone that loves reading and you have someone that loves, you know, social study science, if you work smarter You can not feel overwhelmed by doing weekly plans. If each of you take an area, you can still share your ideas, give your input and things like that. But with thinking about like, I'm responsible for typing this thing in because I love this subject, it's way easier than me having to type in something for social studies. So there can be a lot of power with dividing and conquering. Absolutely. And I think so for me, that was one of those things that I feel like took me a long time to sort of like figure out because I am, I think by nature, I'm a a little bit of a perfectionist and I'm also like, you know, competitive. And I always am like, I want to be the best. And I have definitely been on teams kind of before we started working together. Megan and I are like always very aligned with just like how we taught things. And I'm like, finally working with somebody who like sees things the same way, but it's like somebody would create a lesson plan. And it's like, I don't want to teach this lesson because it is not up to my standards, which like, if you're on a team, I think that's a big challenge to like overcome. It's like, okay, I'm on a team and we're all dividing and conquering. Somebody's planning math, but it's like the way they're planning math is not the way that I want. And I think one, having to just accept the fact that like done is always better than perfect. And just because it's on the lesson plan, like the magic happens with how you deliver it to your students and how you engage them. So like, even if on the lesson plan, it's not like your ideal or perfect lesson plan, it can still be really useful and be really effective and powerful with how you teach it. And so like, you know, I almost like had to just humble myself and realize that it's like, I am not an expert in all fields. Like I am not the best at everything. There is always more than one way. And I I say this a lot on my podcast, but there's always more than one way to teach something and teach it well. So it's like, just because it, you know, the way math was written, wasn't my idea. Doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. And I think when everybody does contribute, that's when you have the strongest team. And I also think kind of like extending that idea of like everybody, you know, everybody should contribute something in some capacity based off of their strengths. I think also too, like sort of having the expectation on a team that like, yeah, we are creating the skeleton for how we're going to teach things. But at the end of the day, there needs to be room for everybody to like shine in their own classroom and their own personalities. And even though we have writing lesson plans, you know, we're going to be talking about expository or we're talking about like nonfiction text structure everybody's going to teach it slightly differently. And the lessons aren't going to look 100% different. So I think like sort of just like knowing that like the lesson plans are going to be implemented and interpreted differently in the classrooms. And that is okay. We don't need to be cookie cutter classrooms. I think that's part of the fun of teaching is like, I don't know, doing things just like in your own fun way and realizing that it's not the same, but you can still get to the same outcome and the same objective. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think like there are things that will excite me and I want to do. And then also it comes down to the kids. like. I know my group of students was never like anybody else's group of students. And so you sometimes then have to think about what is going to engage my students or my group of 17 boys and five girls, you know, like that really did happen. I feel like you had that a couple of (laughs) times. I had that a couple of times and just like all the other list of things. And so I love that our plans ended up being less about this is the task that you have to do, but it's more so, well, we all need to be teaching genre. Okay. (laughs) Like we all need to be teaching narrative. We all need to be teaching pronouns. And that was really beneficial too, because we did have a lot of multiples. We even had triplets. So it is kind of helpful when we do have that concrete awareness down. But 
I want to kind of take that idea into the next thing that we were kind of chatting about beforehand, which is like this idea about sharing and sharing is caring. (laughs) Sharing is caring. And because, you know, we did establish a culture where it's like, Hey, we're going to do this, but we are going to do it slightly differently. And of course, if you want to know what I'm doing, like I will share it with you. Let me try it out. But because we did establish that that was something that we valued, which was we're going to do it slightly different and that's okay. It did open up this whole thing of like, yes, sharing is caring. And I think it kind of takes away the competitive side of like, I want to do it and I want to be better and I'm getting accolades. And I think we really focused about like, who is this for? And ultimately it's for the kids. It's for the students. And so the thing for you that I want to leave you to think about is that if you have something that's going to work to better the experience for kids, it is worth sharing. Share it. Do not keep it with yourself because ultimately we are here for students to learn and grasp an idea. We were chatting beforehand, but this is actually so true. I remember so many days where I I honestly had no idea what I was doing tomorrow because a lot of my ideas came from when I was in the shower the morning before school or when I was driving to school and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, oh wait, this is how I'm going to teach, you know, character traits. And I would go into school and I would figure out how to make it happen. And sometimes if you don't have that culture like established, it can look like, wait a minute, you're doing this like big elaborate thing and like you're not sharing it. And I had to kind of explain to my team that that's just the way that my brain worked. And if you ask me for a lesson plan three weeks in advance, like one, it's a waste of time because I, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing in three weeks, but also I'm probably going to change it anyway. But, you know, I knew that because, because that is a thing, I would have to make a note to say like, Hey, I'm going to try this. You know, I'll tell you how it goes. Here's a master copy. I'll explain it at planning time whatever it is. And my team started to realize that's the way I worked and operated. And they never really took it as a negative thing. They actually got it kind of excited, like, oh, great. I can do that tomorrow. (laughs) I can do that next week. I can do that for reteach and it saves me time. So that is something sharing is definitely caring. Megan and I were, before we recorded this episode, we both recorded, like we jotted down some notes of like things we wanted to talk about. And so many of our key points were the same. And I mean, I was the exact same way. It's like on the way to work or even, you know, the worst is, is like, you tell the kids, it's like, come under the carpet. We're going to do our reading lesson. And it's like, I haven't quite even formulated what that lesson looks like. And, you know, right before I teach it, but like, I am a teach from the heart type of person. And my best ideas come up like at the last minute. And I feel like it took me a little bit longer to realize that like, me not sharing a lesson idea, even after I taught it could be like, I don't know if like offensive is the right word, but like it could make my teammates feel left out. Like I was trying to do something behind their back or trying to do something and not share it with them. Whereas like I taught something and a lot of times by the end of the day, it's like, I wouldn't even remember exactly what it is that I had done, but it's like, I had to remind myself if I am doing something and it is working, I have to let my team know about it and at least give them the option to try and implement it. So it's like, I remember like snapping photos. We're not supposed to have our cell phones up, but we all did. And I feel like we would always like text each other during the day, but it's like, take a picture of something and like text it. It's like, Hey, I just came up with this idea. Like ask me about it later. Or like, you know, send a post-it note on a piece of paper with a student down the hall. It's like, Hey, I just came up with this, like use it if you want. But it's like, I had to remind myself, I need to be willing to share everything that I create with my team because like you said, it's going to benefit the students. And I feel like one of the big like aha moments I had as a teacher was really when I came to fourth grade, which was actually kind of sad because it was the end of my time working in the classroom. But like, you know, my 
my personality and like my sort of approach, I always wanted to be like, I want to be the best teacher. I want to be the best teacher for my students. I want my students to be the most successful. And it's like, when I think about it, I wish that I would have had the approach on like all of my previous teams of like, I want my team to be the most successful team. Like I want fourth grade to be the most successful students because when you start to like not prioritize just yourself and your group of students, but all of the students at the grade level and all of the teachers and like, you know, how can we like as a team elevate each other? I think that's when everyone grows, like teachers grow, students grow, like everyone is happier. And it's kind of going back to what you were saying. I feel like, you know, we had one or two years in fourth grade that I think were just like magical as a team. They really were my favorite teams, but I feel like we kind of got to the point where it's like when we were team planning, it wasn't just thinking about us, but we would be like, well, Megan has those 17 boys. So it's like, how are we going to plan our lessons to like, you know, help her out? Or when it came time to like delegating things, it's like, okay, well that's, you know, if we're doing field trips or field day or whatever it is, like all of those small things, it's like, okay, let's just not think about our own classes, but let's think about everybody's classes here. And will this work for all students and really trying to have like a student first approach to team planning. I think that really helps. And I mean, just like, I know we're kind of like talking about like the whole working as a team. And I do have a couple of tips because I also had to work solo, but you know, I think the biggest thing too, is like when thinking about the overwhelm and the, the feelings of like, oh my gosh, like this is so much to plan. I just want to like offer to you that sometimes I know that in one of my teams that I've been on, the standards didn't change, but we wanted to reinvent the wheel every single time. Like we wanted to do something new and that brought on a lot of just like stress and turmoil and like, who's going to do what? And just a lot of confusion too. And so I think that, you know, when we try to change up things all the time and implement new things all the time, especially if it's really, really, really not needed or not going to move the needle forward, we often lose time. And that can also just bring about a lot of other feelings within the different teammates. And so thinking about whenever you are working with people, you know, is it necessary or before you throw out the idea, just make sure that it's something that could be manageable and just recognize that everyone has a voice and that voice might be different than yours. Some people have loud voices, soft voices, but everybody's voice matters. And I think that in order to keep things just cohesive and strong, everyone's voice has to be valued. And so just making sure to keep those things in mind. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's important, especially if you're on a team and you feel like your voice isn't being valued or heard. Like I would only hope and wish that somebody would advocate for you. But I think to some degree you have to, you know, sort of insert yourself and be like, hey, I have a different opinion or hey, I have a different approach to things. You know, so just let's encourage you to speak up if you if you feel like nobody's listening to you. But I also think going back to what you said with the whole like the standards haven't changed, but the way we taught it has. Sometimes I'm like, why do I always try to make things more complicated than they have to be? And I think like this is an important thing to do as a team. It's kind of like, you know, when you sit down to plan, literally thinking through like, what do we have to get done that is a top priority? And sometimes like the, you know, coming up with like a cute newsletter template or, you know, redecorating a bulletin board or planning like some fun event or whatever doesn't have to be the thing that gets done. The thing that has to get done is like the lesson plans, you know, or like whatever it is. So it's like, I think just like thinking through like, okay, what do we absolutely have to do? It's like, if you have a lesson plan, for tech structure that worked last year, don't reinvent it. Don't find new resources, like use what worked because that is going to save you time, like rather than trying to come up with all of these new things. So I think like, yeah, sticking to what worked, but also like not doing those extra things unless you have extra time to do them. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. So I did want to share a couple of things just really quick about solo, but is there anything else with the team before I like dive into that? I don't know, but just talking about the team, I think is making me like, I I miss working on a team. Oh, one thing that we did want to talk about 
some of the things that I think are so important about when it comes to working with a team is I think one, always assume good intentions about the people that you're working with. I think like realizing that everybody is a person first before they are your teammate and they come to work with all sorts of whether it is you know, a bad night's sleep, something going on with their family at home, like their own sets of like stresses and worries. And like that stuff can have an impact on how they are at work. And so I think like, you know, if somebody doesn't say good morning to you, or if somebody didn't share something with you, or if somebody, you know, forgot to come to team planning, whatever it is, I think it is going to be best just to like assume good intentions and like remind yourself that we are people first. But I think because of that, like, it's also important to like get to know the people on your team for people. And, you know, I think like you don't have to be friends with them, but I think do sort of like fun team bonding things that really hit on the fun personality side. Like we would, you know, occasionally do like on Fridays, we'd like order lunch in or like go do a Starbucks run in the afternoon or like let's all wear a scarf to work or the same like Kendra Scott earrings. Kendra Scott earrings. (laughs) We're all from Texas, Houston. So we all had the same color, like Kendra Scott earrings. So I think like little things like that can just like really help with team bonding and make it feel like, I don't know, it brings a lot of joy and fun into the team side of things. Okay. Yeah. I love that. And I have a couple other ideas for that as well. And so kind of shifting to that, I think that it's really also important that you know, once upon a time, you were the new person on a team. Mm-hmm. And no matter, I know that when I lived in Dalton, Georgia, before moving to Houston, I mean, I was on phenomenal teams, but guess what? Like those teams were, they had existed 20 years before I got there. The little town was so small that there was not high turnover. Like I experienced in Houston with a lot of in and out of kids and teachers and things like that. And so when I came in, you know, I'm coming in with people who have been just connected for the last 15, 20 years. And it is hard being like the new kid on the block, the new kid at the school. And so I just remember that though, in that moment, I did have a positive experience. And I feel like it was the best thing ever because I think when we get really comfortable with our team, it's hard to remember being the new person on the team. And so with thinking about both perspectives, it's just really important to remember like you once upon a time were new on a team. How did you feel? What could have helped your transition? And so if you are that person that's on the existing team of seven years with the same colleagues, you know, if a new person comes in, what can you do to help that person feel welcomed and valued and a part? Because again, assuming good intentions, nobody's malicious and we're not out to say like, she is not allowed. She is not included in our club. It was never that, but we were just comfortable with our routine. And so I think helping yourself to be aware of new people is really important. And so, yeah, I loved our Kinder Scott earrings. Like we all had them and we would wear them. And literally at at staff meetings or in the hallway, when we dropped off our kids to lunch, like the students would start recognizing, hey, miss, you all have the same earrings. And they loved it. And we did scarves. We would wear like little heels and We even, I mean, Sarah, I know she mentioned that she wanted to be, she'd be a personal trainer. She even like did like a workout. We had a huge pod in fourth grade. And so, yeah, we did like workouts. We like brought the projector. (laughs) Yeah. What were we doing? We did like the 21 day fix, 21 day fix. And Shailene, what what was her body by Shailene or something like, yeah. Yep. We did stuff like that. And it was so much fun and it bonded our team, but it also bonded the school. And so a lot of other people got to come and see like, oh my gosh, fourth grade, like y'all do this stuff together. And I think it really impacted the way that they were able to go back and try to do positive things to bond their teams. And so not to say that you have to do a workout at school, but just think about what are some things that you can do that other people can pick up on? Because 
the way that you're operating, the way that you are behaving, the way that you are walking in the schools, like whether it's positive or negative, it's being seen, it's being observed. And so it's a great way to be able to show other teams how they can be able to get a strong team too, because that's ultimately the goal. I've never heard any teacher that said they want to be on a team that does not function, you know, like it's hard enough. And so just some other ideas too, are like, you know, the ordering lunch, like there are some teams where it's like, we want to eat together every day. But I think that also just being like, well, Hey, some people might want that alone time and we never want them to feel left out. So you could even say like, Hey, every let's, let's decide on one day or two days a week where we can order, or we can just eat together. And on the other days, if you want to come eat great, but if you don't no love loss and just having that communication and expectations clear, it made it much easier to where if I was walking by on an off day and I saw three people sitting in there, well, that wasn't because I wasn't invited. It was, it was my choice at that point. Yeah. And it just took away a lot of the emotions. I'm glad you brought this up. And I also actually think that this is like a really important thing for teams. I think one, like, like you said, having that open communications, but I also think deciding on one day a week to eat lunch together, where it's like, we're not talking about kids. We're just going to like enjoy this 30 minutes together. And I was always that teacher who worked through my lunch break. Before I moved to fourth grade, well, second grade, we kind of ate lunch together sometimes. But before I moved to fourth grade, I was like, I need this 30 minutes to work. But my fourth grade team, I moved to fourth grade like a few months before Megan did, before Megan did. And then she came to join me. (laughs) But when I moved to that team, they ate lunch together every single day. And I remember I was like, this does not align with my personal way of teaching. But I was like, I need to sort of, I don't know, assimilate to like the team and how the, what the team does. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to eat lunch with the team and, you know, maybe I wouldn't do it every day, but I at least multiple days a week, two or three days a week would eat lunch with the team. And so if you are one of those teachers who like is used to working through your lunch, let me just first of all say that you can carve out 30 minutes once or twice a week to eat with your team. And I do think it's like, there is just something about like community and sharing a meal together, even if it is 30 minutes quick and you're rotating through the microwave and trying to also quickly get in your bathroom breaks and whatever, like just to sit down and spend time with your team outside of planning, I think really helps. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, no. And then I know one final thing that I can remember that we always did was like just team things like to build our team culture or team gifts. I know like whether it's like a white elephant or like something for Valentine's day or like a just because, or like, Hey, bring your favorite office supply, you know, $7 or less. And like, you know, or put it in bags and pick numbers of like, okay, pick a number. That's your bag. It's just fun, but it also is just like a, it's something to look forward to. And the last thing is like, just find your person. You're not always going to connect with everyone, but luckily, and like, thankfully I connected with you, Sarah. And I just remember I know you had mentioned this like uh, probably a couple weeks ago as like just a thought down memory lane when um, we were in second grade, <laughs> we were in second grade and I was just so stressed. <laughs> I can't even get my laughter. I was so stressed, but like, you have to have the person that you can just walk in the room and be like, take this, take this now. And by that, I don't mean the child. I mean, like I had an obsession with like gummy pairs to the, I would have like five pound of the gummy bears, yeah, like the, the giant Costco bulk size gummy bear. Yes. Bag. Like the huge amount of like that. And, you know, I would eat it and I'm like, you know, it's getting unhealthy over here, but that was not about like, stop me from eating the gummy bears. It was like a smoke signal of like, I'm having a day and help me manage. And like, and she did just that, like there are different things that your team members can do to help calm you or to know that like, you're having a rough day. So I'm going to like, you know what, let me bring your kids in from recess. Yeah. You stay out here, you go in early, I'll bring your kids in. And I remember that happening so often. 
And so I think it's important that like, if you're having those days, like your teammates are there to help you and it's almost without ask. And so you just have to like, make sure that you're doing the part because no one's a mind reader, but definitely find your person that you can just be like, take the gummy bears. And that's just a (laughs) signal of like, you know, and I think too, like so many times you would like take my kids to lunch and just be like, sit here and just regroup. Yeah. That's just how you have to get through. I just keep on going back to like what you said, even a few minutes ago, how it's like, nobody wants to be on a team that doesn't function. Like, you know, I think part of the fun parts of teaching is, is the collaboration and the relationships with our students and our team. And, you know, it's like the reason why we're airing this episode in March is like, it's never too late to start. So it's like, if you, you know, I know not everybody listening has the best team. Like I just, I've been on enough teams to know that like finding a really good team is rare. So it's like, if you are currently in a situation where you're not thrilled with your team dynamics, you're not thrilled with how it's going. Like, guess what? You can be the person that comes in and like changes that. And I think like random acts of kindness go a long way, whether it's like bringing coffee or making copies or just doing some small thing, I think to like, let your team know that it's like, Hey, I want to do whatever I can to like help make our team, you know, functioning and whatever and collaborative and fun and enjoyable. So yeah, it's like just small things go a long, a long way. Yeah, no, for sure. And this, I was thinking about like in my little notes, I kind of had like, if you're working by yourself on a team, which really was a thing. I've never worked on a team by myself. So this is all you girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I'll be fast, but you know, I did merge, leave the classroom and I went to like a triad where I was by myself planning because I did not have to plan for the other subjects. And then I went into an interventionist role where I was essentially planning by myself for my content. And so I think that like for that, when you think about planning by yourself or like there is no collaboration because there is no team. There are still things that you can do. And I think about like, yes, it can be lonely, but it also doesn't have to be. You know, figuring out your systems and methods, making planning streamlined, I think is going to help. You know, making sure that you're also reusing future planning things, dating it, labeling it, that's great. But the biggest thing is finding your community. And this could actually work for, I mean, maybe you're on a team and it's just like, I've tried everything and they're just toxic people. Well, then yeah, you probably don't want to be just wrapped up with toxicity like longer than you have to. So maybe this can work for you too. But, you know, finding your community and whatever that means. I mean, now we have things like Instagram where you can find people and actually talk to them virtually. You can collaborate with them virtually. And if nothing else, you can search a hashtag and try to find ideas for that very thing you're looking for. There's Facebook groups where you can get helpful ideas. You can search key terms. You can share the joys and the woes of teaching and people will talk back to you. And so I think sometimes it's just about finding your community, but the best thing that I want to offer to you, and this also could be again, for people that are on actual teams is surrounding yourself with people whenever you go to your local and national conferences. So something that I started doing when I was working as an interventionist was like, I need to make friends and I need to make friends with people who know exactly what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with so that we can try to like create our own little team, even though we're not on the same campus. And so what I did was I made it a goal to leave the conference with the contact info for at least three people. And that was grabbing their name, their grade, their email address, and if possible, their phone number. And it it's not just collecting it, but in the moment or by the end of the day or by at latest the next day, I would follow up with every single person I met. Hey, it's Megan. Remember, like we were talking, we were in the same group. I was wearing like the, the dress and you commented on But just starting that communication with that person and just knowing that like, I'm really not alone, even though I'm technically alone on my campus. And so that is something that like, I try to do even now when I go to national conferences, even for Teachers Pay Teachers is like, I want to meet people 
that I can connect with outside of the conference. And that's, I think, how we've just met so many virtual friends. But definitely like ask questions. Just know that even though you're working by yourself, sit in with grade levels. We've used to do that even with a team is going into classrooms and sitting in with other grade levels and sit in during their planning and sit at a desk and do your planning. So at least you're like in the same area. I remember so often I would take my computer in to certain grade levels and just walk in. I'm just going to call her out. I'd walk into Caitlin's room in third grade. (laughs) I would sit back at her. uh, They'd usually be at the guided reading table. I would sit somewhere and just be like on my computer working. And like, it just worked for me because I don't want to be by myself all the time. There are just things that you can do, whether you're on a team or definitely while you're working solo, just to build that community. And now I'm kind of like, I'm wait, I'm solo right now. Like I work by myself. I mean, I'm at home with the dogs and they aren't much for company, you know, but it's just like, I think like that community is one of the best parts about having a team. And there are just, I don't know, there's so many things that teachers can do to build their community within their school and on social media and within their district and their communities. And now I'm, now I'm kind of like, I'm going to go back. (laughs) I want to go back and teach with you. Can we go back together? (laughs) I want to go back and teach with you together. Like that would be everything right now. (laughs) Okay. Anything else you think we need to end with? I think I'm good. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just know that this is something that you still have time. And I know that if you are in upper elementary listening, which you probably are, if you're on these podcasts, you are entering into a time that's stressful like test prep. And so right now, more than ever, you need your team. You need to collaborate. You need to share what is working to help these kids find success. What's working to help keep our stress levels down. What can we do for each other to really rally through, power through, and be in this together? And so if you are recognizing that like, oh, we're not as strong as we could be, or like, we're not strong at all. I just want to challenge you to think about which one of these things do you want to try? Can you commit to? And then like tag us on Instagram and tell us, or send us a little group message on Instagram. We would love to talk with you, but I just want to like challenge you to like, just pick one thing to go and try. Yeah. And I, I think the last thing I'll say is that, you know, no team is perfect. I think even great teams have their weaknesses. And I also think like no team is stagnant or stuck. So like if you are currently in a team with the dynamics, you're just like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want. Like, it doesn't have to be that way next week, next month, next year. Like people are constantly changing, constantly growing and your team can do the same. So yeah, I can't wait to hear what one, one thing you're going to try. So definitely let us know. That's the challenge. Yes. Let us know. And golly, Megan, I just loved working on a team with you for all of those years. And this episode was just so fun to record. It's like a little trip down memory lane. (laughs) I've loved working with you and this is like walking down memory lane. And so it's always a joy to chat with you. All right, friends. Well, be sure to follow Megan at the literacy dive. Yep. And then you can go and follow Sarah at the seller teacher company. Maybe we'll do another one of these joint episodes again next time. Yeah. Tell us, what would you like to hear about? Because we love talking with each other. (laughs) All right, y'all. We'll talk later. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.